Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Wisdom that people will be smart <laughs> and uh, and make the right choices over these next few days. Uh, so come on, let's let's just pray. Let's pray for Florida. God, we, we lift up uh, the state of Florida to you, and we know that uh, these hurricanes can bring horrible destruction. So Lord, I just pray for the protection of of people. I pray for uh, pray for this hurricane, even as it approaches the shore, that'll downgrade, that it will it will not have a uh, horrible impact. And, and that uh, and that, that people will be able to um, to, to prepare well, and uh, and that there will I just pray that property and life will be protected in every way. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right, go ahead and get your Bibles open to Isaiah chapter number sixty-one, verse one. Isaiah sixty-one, one. That is the starting place uh, for where I'm going to go here in just a few minutes. Get that, mark it, hold it. We're going to be encouraged today to grow, to grow. Growing is what this uh, series is about right now. I'm calling it the Growth Challenge, about growing in four different areas. And I'm going to encourage you to be growing in your godly influence, which means you're going to walk in your destiny. And, and, and you're going to be able to uh, fulfill the spiritual mandate on our lives because we, not, we have a spiritual mandate on our lives. And, and, uh, and it, it weaves right in with everything that you're already doing. So let me talk about that today. Remember this. You matter to God. God designed you. God, God put his hand on your life. And you're called to be an influencer, but not just an influencer, a godly influencer. So the title of my message today is Growing Godly influence. And to be honest, if you want the innate satisfaction that you're operating in God's ordained purpose and destiny in your life, you've got to grow your godly influence. See, the problem is, though, there's a, there's a little hiccup here. There's something that holds us back, and it's, it's ourselves. It is our, uh, it's, it's our flesh. You see, the, the culture right now is screaming all about individualism. Individualism, which says, you know, everything is about me. It's my brand, my style, my comfort, my kind of entertainment, my taste, my feelings, my life, my opinion. And, and it could go on and on and on and on. And, and what happens with individualism, because it is actually dangerous, it creates selfishness. And selfishness... Uh, doesn't have a good ending to it. Selfishness ends, and I've seen this happen in many lives, selfishness ends in bitterness and anger and rage, isolation and depression. And Because what happens is when you're living as an individualist and, you're, and you begin to make it all about yourself, you actually grow inward and then you'll find yourself be trying to engage with other people, but you really can't get along with any other people because you're you and your opinions matter more than anyone else's. And so you're eventually not getting anything your way and it causes all types of problems and issues. And that's one of the big challenges we're dealing with in our culture because people can't even comfortably engage with one another anymore. I, I want to say, this is not God's plan for you. Um, his plan for you is to be a part of something greater, which is his 
body and his body. And what we do is we make Jesus known on this earth. And, and that's what God wants. God, God doesn't want you just to exist for yourself. God doesn't want you to pursue the selfishness that, that the world is screaming at. So today I'm going to ask you to intentionally take a step that will cause selfishness to crumble in your life. Because your godly influence, as you're going to learn today, your godly influence is what changes the world. It really does. Now, I, I loved going to the church as a child, and um, I would hear my dad preach the gospel. And he would preach this, go into all the world and, and spread the gospel to everyone. And, and the way we kind of interpreted that at that time was, well, that means you needed to have some type of a vocational uh, ministry. That means you needed to be a pastor or a missionary or, or, or possibly you needed to be serving in the church or, or you needed to do some street witnessing or go do a missions trip. And all that stuff's fine and nice and good, but it's not complete. Actually, it's really, really narrow. And I figured that out later on that this whole interpretation of the call of God on our lives is really pretty narrow. And, uh, and I, I began to see that that kind of thought pattern prevents a lot of people from entering into their destiny, from entering into what God has for them. And I've learned that. I, I learned that. I began to apply it. I began to teach it. And, and then several years back, I took a two-year sabbatical from pastoring. I, I decided I'm going to take a couple of years off. And, and when I, during that time, what I did is I did something out of the box for me. I, I managed a friend's business. And some of you, um, you've, you've, you've heard me tell about this. It actually has a lot to do with who I am and where I am today. I, I literally did not pastor a church for two years. I managed a small business. And, and, uh, and I learned in a very creative way how the principles that are taught on Sunday definitely not only should be but can be and must be integrated in everything that happens during the week. You see, that was a sales business. And, and I, I took the business. My, my friend said the business is about to go under. So here, will you run it for me because I've got some family problems. I'm like, sure, great. I'll take your business. It's about ready to go under. And while well, you deal with your family problems. And that was fine because I'm grateful that I had an opportunity to do something like that. And so, so I began to do it. And, and, and I joined it. And I, I tell you what, my main sales guy, he left. He left after about three weeks into this. And so... I'm looking at the numbers. I say, well, I can't afford to hire a new sales guy, so I'm going to do sales. So I, I started just going out and doing the sales. And, and I did that. And I began to go out into the, the community, and I would do business-to-business uh, -business sales. It was really, really interesting. And, but, but I learned how to take those principles that God had in my heart and integrate them into my sales work. I, I, I ran the business with kingdom principles. I ran my life with kingdom principles. I, I ran the office with integrity. I, I served the owners and did, worked for the owners as if I was working for the Lord. That's what the scriptures say. I walked and operated in a spirit of excellence, and I met these, these, these clients and interacted with the associates, and, and I, I decided just I'm going to convey life and love and generosity. I'm, I'm going to do the things that I've always preached about, so I'm doing, I'm doing it in the business world. And, and some days, I mean, doing sales is hard, but, but I, I, I decided this. I'm going to put a smile 
on somebody's face every day. I, I'm going to do that. And that was just one of the things I chose to do. I'm, I'm going to give, make somebody smile because not everybody's happy. I, you learn that really, really, really quick when you're dealing with people, uh, business, especially business-to-business business sales. And so I would just get out there and do that. And my, I, I set a goal. I, I'm going to go out, get out there and make a friend today. I'm going to make another friend. When, when, uh, when the, the, uh, the office staff, when someone was down or discouraged, I'd pray with them and, and, uh, and encourage them. When a client was stressed out or, or they were just frustrated, I, you know, I'd ask them, well, can I pray for you? And you know what? Never, never did I have a person say no. And please understand, they did not know that I had just been pastoring a large church. They didn't know any of that. So they didn't know I was a preacher. Uh, they, they just knew me as Tim the businessman. And so I ended, but I integrated Christ and, and who he was into everything that I did. I, I began to utilize my giftings. One of the things that, I, that God has gifted me with is the ability to stand in front of people and talk. I know everybody doesn't have that, but God gave it to me, so I decided, well, I'm going to put this to use. So I started offering free business training seminars in the community, and, and not long after that, chambers of commerce began saying, hey, we want you to come be our, our speaker, another one, another one, another one. Other organizations, leadership networks began saying, we want you to come and do our training. We want you to do a seminar on a Saturday. And, and, and I, I, I just dove into it. And I just always insisted on this one thing because I had values. And one of my values is I'm always going to leave people better than I found them if I have any way to do so. So I would just try to leave people better than I found them. At the end of some of these training sessions or meetings, I would say, you know what? And, and if you want a prayer, if you want prayer, I'm a, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian, and I'd love to pray with you. And sometimes people, nobody wanted to pray. Other times they did. Other times I actually led people to Christ and directed them to Bible-focused, uh, God-fearing, Jesus-believing churches in the area. And that was, that was wonderful. I was sending them to churches that wasn't mine because I wasn't even pastoring. I loved it. It was, I was getting to be me. Um, I wasn't brash. I wasn't polarizing. I wasn't shaking my finger at anyone, but I just loved people the way that Jesus loves them. Wonderfully, I, you know, I'm not, I just say it was the blessing of God. The sales in that, that, uh, that, that company began to explode. I mean, it really, really, really took off and became one of the top producing franchises uh, in, in the nation. And, and uh, it really, though, it didn't change with me. I just kept living out my faith in the marketplace, my values, my faith, my God. And I just, kept, I just kept sharing because that stuff is not confined to the church building. You shouldn't let it be confined to the church building either. Now, when Jesus left this earth, he took his followers up on this hill, and it was called the the Mount of Olives, and there were about 500 people with him, and these are just people from all different types of backgrounds, all ages, all occupations, and men and women and boys and girls, and, and he, was a, he was launching a brand new movement that today we know as Christianity. It didn't even have a name back then, and he said this, and he said this in Matthew 28, 19. Just listen to it. It says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. That's one of the things he said. But he wasn't just talking to pastors and missionaries. In fact, only a few of the people who were there 
became pastors and missionaries. Very few. Only a handful. Most, the vast majority, were normal people with normal jobs who had encountered the power of God, and now they are integrating this and these principles into their own lives, and these people went and changed the world, and we're still doing it today. You see, they had a new purpose. They, uh, th- th- no longer were they just individuals serving their own needs. No, they became a part of something great, magnificent, and God was using them while they were doing the things that they, all, that they were already trained to do. And they were about to discover more fulfillment than they could ever have in their lives before. So their godly influence changed the world. Again, we're still doing it. Now I want you to look in your Bibles in Isaiah 61.1. We're about ready to read our job description to be God's agents on this earth, to make a difference in this world through the life, the love, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at this. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. That means the Holy Spirit. Since this is Old Testament, it talks about it being on you. But in the New Testament, as New Testament believers, because of Jesus, we don't have the Spirit on us anymore, but it is in us, okay? The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair, and they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planning of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Isn't that cool what we get to do? They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. That is your job description given to us in the scripture some 3,000 years ago, and it's preserved for you to read today. And if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, God has come to live in you. You are a carrier of God whatever, wherever you go. So, and, and, so I don't want you to miss this. God's spirit is in you now. It's important that you understand that. Because if you don't believe or understand that God's spirit is in you, the rest of this doesn't even work. Because he gives you the power to do what Isaiah 61 actually says that you're supposed to do. You are anointed by God, and God has, has put a, his spirit in you so you can be a godly influence in whatever way that's going to be out there in the culture. And it's no accident that you're a parent, or that you're a performer, or that you're a teacher, or you're an office staff member, or you're a lawyer, or you're a member of that certain club. You see, God put you there, and it's no accident that you have the skills you have. God gave those to you so you can utilize that and begin to let God work through you wherever you are. God put his spirit in you. You're carrying God. And today I challenge you to boldly, and I mean boldly, step into godly influence and and just begin to do it. Just just do it because it's time. Be what God fashioned you to be. Stop letting your hang-ups and your faults and your failures prevent you from going forward. And... (laughs) Get this. God's not embarrassed of you. 
A lot of people think, well, God's just embarrassed of me. No, he's not. No, he's not. Please understand this. God only uses flawed, imperfect, messed up people who are growing in their faith, who are growing to be more like Christ. He only uses those kinds of people because those are the only kind of people on earth. It's us. And what he does is he makes up the difference by pouring his spirit into you. And therefore, all of a sudden now, there's a lot of God to shine out of you because you're broken and messed up anyway. And that's pretty amazing. And he forgives and he heals and he restores and he sets you on a new path and he redeems your past. So your past has actually prepared you for godly influence. Your most powerful ministry will probably flow out of where some of the greatest pain has happened in your life. Some of the, even the, the greatest weaknesses in your life, that's where the greatest ministry flows because more of God flows through that. <laughs> People need an encounter with God. They need that. And yes, I'm all about that happening at church, but it's supposed to happen all over the place all the time. And that's where you come in. You come in. I'm just asking you to adopt the value of godly influence into your life. Now, godly influence is one of the values of our church. And I just want to read it to you right here. Because when you get this, you're going to just really, really be able to live. Godly influence is this. Again, it's one of our church values. It says, we measure our success by marketplace and community impact. We know that only the presence of God can redeem the culture, so we are active and present within the culture, being salt and light wherever we go. We choose to seek out common ground with others in the marketplace and community and be known for what we are for rather than what we are against. We recognize that loving our city means loving the people in it. So that's a core value for the church, but the church is made up of people. So when we adopt that, as a personal value of godly influence, then an explosion takes place when God's people get together because we get to live this out together. The value becomes personal. And we all function together and it's beautiful and you will find that selfish in your, selfishness in your life will begin to crumble. Our theme scripture for the year is this. It's very simple. It says, Occupy till I come. That simply means we have a job to do every day while we're on this earth until Jesus returns. Jake, I want you to come up here and join me on the platform because I'm going to hand the baton off to Jake because Jake's going to develop this in a little deeper way that I can't even develop it. So y'all, welcome Jake to the platform. Come on, Jake. Thank you, sir. It is, it is an honor. Thank you, sir. So since I was a youth, I mean, a lot of you don't know a lot of my backstory. I grew up in church naturally, pastor's kid. My, my, dad's, past, my dad's dad was a pastor and an evangelist as well. But I didn't get saved till I was 16. But ever since I got saved, I had this heart cry for real, for to be real, just to be me. I wanted my life to be so marked by him that people wouldn't need to see a cross around my neck or see Christian logos on my back to know that I was marked by God, to know that I was somebody who walked with God. That's been a heart cry from way back when, and that's godly influence. I wanted people to be able to know that there was something different about me, and not for my sake, but I wanted to make a true change, not have to have a badge saying, Christian, that's lame, you know? And if we need that, it's not really real. So I want to connect a little bit of that. Jesus said, let your light so shine. But let's look at the scripture. It says, 
Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, your light must shine before Christians and fellow believers. No, no, okay, let's, what does it say? Your light must shine before people in such a way that they may see your Christian logos and your worship albums in your car. No, it doesn't say that. Your light must shine before people in general, all people, in such a way that they will see your good works. And that brings glory to the Father in heaven. Hallelujah. That is the heart cry. That is what is necessary for godly influence. See, for godly influence, it has nothing necessarily to do with a Sunday morning service, with a good worship production, or things that happen inside the body of believers. Now, yes, those are God-ordained. They're foundational for a good Christian life. But as far as godly influence goes, it connects directly to what happens outside of the family of God. It connects directly with us taking this message, this freedom, this gospel, what Jesus provided, and taking it out everywhere we go, to, to Walmart, to Walgreens, to everywhere, wherever we go. It touches our family, touches our business, but in truth, we are not fulfilling the call if we're just participating in Christian activities, and after that, we live life. No. That's the root of it all. So what, what I've found that I needed to live that sort of demonstrative, life-giving, influential life, I needed to continue to make the decision on a couple of areas. First, I needed to know what is provided in Christ. I need to know what's available. Jesus said, freely you've received, now freely give. If I don't have it, then what am I trying to bring to anyone else? But I need to know what he's done for me. And secondly, I've got to make the choice to bring it out into the world, to bring it into my business, to bring it back home after Sunday service closes. I need to bring it everywhere I go. I need to walk it out. Because if there's no good works behind my Sunday morning prayers, behind my worship, behind my singing to God, behind all of the Christian services or actions, if there's no fruit, it's not drawing people to glorifying God. It doesn't glorify him. And so this, it could be a heavy charge, but at the same time, it's just an encouragement that whether you're young or old, whether you're mature or immature, to, to step up, knowing, first of all, again, that it's available, knowing that it's available, and then making the call to not let anything deter you from bringing what is available into your life and onto your cultural streets, onto your places of business. So I worked, uh, when I was in Bible college, I had the pleasure of working with unbelievers. But one of the things that that did for me is people would begin to ask, like, Jake, why do you believe that? Why do you believe this? Why do you think that way? Why do you do that? And it made me kind of filter everything that I tried to process in a language that wasn't Christianese. It made me focus what I wanted to say and put it in words that anybody could understand, not being raised in church. It was a great practice for me, and it was difficult. I began to really hate how much I needed Christian verbiage. It's like I needed a translator to talk to people outside of the church. That shouldn't be the case, but I wanted to connect. I wanted to connect with people. I, there was this one guy. He was in the church, in and out. He kind of dabbled in it, but then he found out that Christianity was fake while he was tripping on mushrooms. You know, he had a clear head. <laughs> so he, he, but he, his life, he just went full force on the course of hell after that. But 
as I was working there, the majority of the staff, they were going to church, they professed Christianity, and he told me one night after he built some respect, we had some mutual respect between us, in part because I don't, I call things when I see it. I, I don't dance around subjects. I like to just call things what they are. But he grew respect for me, and one night after everything closed, it was just me and him, and he said, Jake, all you guys talk about Jesus, but when you talk, I feel God. And that's not at all, it, the Bible says it's foolishness for you to compare yourself with anyone else. I don't take pleasure from saying, I hit the mark and they didn't, but it really blessed me because what I wanted for him was to see that it was real. It wasn't just a call. It wasn't just an exercise that I wanted to do once a week. I can give up a Sunday morning, but it was real. The relationship with God was real. That blessed me. But we've got to know for ourselves his kingdom. We've got to know what's available to us. My mom, she had a dream, and she told it so vividly that I feel like looking back, it's almost like it was my dream. But she had a dream where she woke up, and she was immediately aware of this person just gut-wrenching, sobbing, like crying from their bones, just retching, just crying. And she crawled out from underneath where she was, and she realized she was in the throne room of God. And so God's just crying, like, like a kid, just crying. And she said, God, what's going on? And she started hearing these prayers come up through the floor like it was from earth. And these people crying out, God, will you heal me? God, I don't know what I'm going to do if it doesn't come through. I need a paycheck. My family has to eat. They, just these, this swell of prayers. And it became so overwhelming that she started just cracking under it. And she looked back to God and said, God, what do I make of this? And she said it was like God just spread his hand to direct her. And she looked around and she started seeing just like warehouse shelving, top to bottom, as far as the eye could see. And there were boxes with markings on them saying healing restoration, deliverance, relationship, just deliverance, everything. And she said, God, what, what's going on? And God said, I bought this for my children. I paid for it. It's all done. But why don't they come and get it from me? He wanted them to come. The charge is inherent with two things that I see clearly. First, we've got to come standing, knowing, confident that he's already paid for it. He's already done it. He's not crossing his arms, waiting to make the decision whether to forgive, whether to heal, whether to deliver. He's not doing that. It's already paid for. But then on the back end of that, he said, freely you've received, now freely give. I, I want to make this clear because that does not mean that because it is inherently paid for, it's already been bought, that doesn't mean that once we receive Christ, everything that's been paid for is in our mailbox. That doesn't mean that when I make a request to God that I can just turn around and it's in my lap automatically. Oftentimes, there's a lot of ground to cover from start to finish. There are still things in my life that I've brought before him. I know they're paid for, but I'm still wrestling in my heart with that word that he gave me until my heart gets in line with that word and gets all of the excuses as to why it would or would not happen out of the way. I'm still wrestling with some of those words, but hallelujah, he is faithful. He is faithful to lead me. He's faithful to lead you, and his word is trustworthy. But there was a few years ago I was wrestling with sickness and sickness, it's been paid for once again. 
but I was wrestling with sickness. It was so bad. I was at work and I used every single break just to lay on the ground and breathe. I, it was awful. I, I don't remember feeling as bad as I did that day. So that night, Lindsay was driving me over to her parents' house and the whole way over, I reclined the seat as far back as I could and propped my knees up just again so that I could breathe. I felt so nauseous. But when we get there, I just went to the shower to just strip off the day and just pray. And I said, God, I'm speaking your word. I'm standing with you. I know this is paid for. What's blocking? What is the matter? What is hindering this from being in, you know, from just it being resolved? So I was praying in the spirit. And point of fact, that's a really good exercise to do when you know things are not going the way you know they should be. I was praying in the spirit and the Lord showed me, he said, Jake, you're trying to force this to happen instead of just receiving it like it's been paid for. It's a subtle difference, but there's a confidence on one side that isn't inherent in the other. I was trying to make something happen, and God just subtly pointed it out to me. And so I just made the call right there, and I said, God, thank you. Thank you for leading me. Thank you, first of all, for paying for it. Thank you for crushing your son, like Isaiah 53 says, so that I could be well. Thank you, God. And I took a decided attitude of thankfulness moving forward. And so I just said, okay. But here's the thing. I didn't feel any different except for my attitude. And so I came to the dinner table, and Lindsay's beautiful mom asks me, hey, are you feeling better? And I felt a strong leading in my heart to say, my fever's broken. And so I just said, without feeling it, without feeling any difference, I said, my fever's broken. And when I said it, I started sweating. Within the hour, I was back to 100%. I was back to good. I just want to illustrate some of the process from getting from start to finish because it does require prayer. It requires worship. It requires sometimes a hard adjustment and an attitude digging your heels in and saying, God, I choose you regardless of how this feels. But my family deserves it. The world deserves it. And God, to receive glory, he deserves it. So I'm going to choose everywhere I go to be that influence, to bring the gospel that I have freely received because Jesus paid for it, to take it to Walgreens, take it to Walmart. I've prayed for strangers in the aisle at Walmart. I've talked to people I'd never met before in locations I haven't been to prior or since. But it's because I made the decision that whether I felt like it or not, I'm gonna be open to him using me. I'm gonna be open to bringing the freedom that he's brought to me and telling the stranger, hey, you matter to tell him the clerk that I have one minute to interact with, to say, hey, whatever God has to say. <laughs> hey, you're loved. Hey, do you have a family you connect with? Is there anything I can pray with? Pastor Tim made a beautiful point earlier today. The simple question, is there anything I can be praying with you specifically about? It may be as simple as that, but we have to make the call. We have to plan we have to decide and work it out that we are going to do it, to ask the question, to connect with them instead of just shaking their hand without thinking and going on your way and living life. But the main point is we've got to quit dividing between church life and life life. We've got to bring him everywhere we go. And so make the call today. The question is still daily, but maybe you haven't been presented the question yet. Are you going to know him and what he's provided? Are you gonna keep going deeper with it? And are you going to make the choice that when you go to the store, when you're at work with coworkers, with family, friends, or strangers, 
Are you going to let him use you? Because it's an exciting life when you make that call, and he'll show you ways that he can use you that doesn't look like Jake Nunn, doesn't look like Tim Woody, but it's Jesus in you. But he needs you to make the call before the time comes. Bless you guys. Thank you, Jake. Thank you so much. Um, ultimately, here we're talking about making your life count. Make your life count. Um, I remember my dad saying this when I was a kid. You know, dad was a pastor. He, he would say, you know, you can't take that Cadillac with you to heaven. You can't take that boat with you to heaven. I've never had a Cadillac nor a boat, you know. Maybe that's why he would say that, because we never had him. But, but he said, the only person, the only thing you can take to heaven with you are people. Pretty cool. I know we have possessions in this life, and I'm not preaching against possessions. Please understand that. Not preaching against pursuing life's goals. But please know that at the end of all of this, the only thing we can take to heaven is people. And at the end, when we stand before the Lord, we will be judged according to what either we did or we did not do. Ultimately, that's, that's where, what it is. As believers, that's how we'll be judged. So, and, and you know, something shifted about two and a half years ago with the church and I began to say this, and I just want to remind you of this as well. The days of selfish Christianity, it's over. They're over. Selfish Christianity is over. And it's time for all of us to embrace his mandate to simply make a difference through godly influence in the unique way that God has designed you. See, your godly influence is what changes How many of you have ever read this book called The Purpose Driven Life? Any of y'all ever read, read that? It was a really popular book about 20 years ago. Uh, but I picked it up about 20 years ago, and, and I thought, well, what's all the rage about this book? And, and, I, and I, was, uh, I had this goal of to read two books a month. So, well, might as well read this because everybody else I know is reading it, and they're talking about it, so let's read it. I picked it up and opened it up. The very first page, I was so impressed with page one, page one. And because it said this, the very, very first line said this, it's not about you. Wow. It says the purpose of your life is greater than your own fulfillment. It's greater than your own peace of mind. And it's greater than your own happiness. Your purpose in life is far greater than your family or your career or your wildest dreams and your ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you have to begin with God. You were born by His purpose and for His purpose. What is the purpose of God for you on this earth? And some people tend to, you know, many tend to struggle with that. Well, I just don't really know exactly what it is. Well, it definitely falls into this category that I'm talking about today, which is one of our values as a church, which we must make 
as our personal value as well, it is godly influence. You must, you must, you must be a godly influencer. So I want to challenge you on something uniquely today because, because we're all so different, but we're still called to do the same thing. I'm going to ask you a question. How can you use your godly influence? How? How can you do it? It's uniquely your way. It's probably not like the way that I do it, but that's great because if we all did it this way, what a boring place this would be. What a boring life this would be. I want you all to be like me. I want you to be like Jesus. How can you use your godly influence? So I'm, I'm just going to ask Ashley just to play on the keyboard there for a minute. and I want you to pray. Ask God. God, show me how I can use my godly influence. Even, and some of you, I mean, many of you, you're already doing so, but begin to ask God, how can I even step it up? I think God's going to bring revelation in here today because God's going to customize everything that Jake and I have shared. He's going to make it personal for you. I want you to take these words. I want you to write some things down. Maybe write some things down on your phone, a piece of paper. Take a minute. How can you use godly influence? How can you step it up? Let God speak to you and then act on what you hear. Listen to the Holy Spirit and obey Him. Those thoughts that are popping into your head, I didn't put those there. I don't even believe it's your imagination. I believe that's God speaking to you. As you're writing these things down, I want you now just to offer them to the Lord. In fact, I'm going to ask you all, the, all over this room to stand. Will you please stand with me? I want you just to offer yourself to the Lord and offer what God has told you to the Lord regarding how you can be an influence. God, we just uh, offer ourselves. Just do this with me. God, we just offer ourselves to you. We want to operate as godly influencers. Lord, sometimes we don't see how. We don't feel like we're good enough, but we're tired of making excuses. We're not all called to be preachers, but we're all called to make that godly influence because you put your spirit in us. And everywhere we go, we're carrying the presence of Almighty God. I pray that you will use that in our lives. Flow through us, work through us, minister your life through us. God, we want our lives to count. We want to stand before your throne and hear you say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, well done. We want to hear that, Jesus. We want to hear that, Jesus. 
while we're all in an attitude of prayer, just close your eyes all across this room. If you're here this morning and you're not in relationship with Jesus, and you're not serving the Lord, and there's a sin in your life that would prevent you from going and spending eternity with Jesus, and if that's there, I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to lift your hand, and I will connect my faith with yours. You have the opportunity to pray a prayer with me and give your life to Jesus. If that's you at the count of three, just lift your hand up in the air so that I can see. One, two, three. Lift it up. Thank you. Put your hands down. Anyone else? Thank you. All right. I want us to pray right now. I want us to pray. Let's pray these words. Let's ask the Lord to come and to forgive sin. In fact, if you lifted your hand, pray it with me. Congregation, pray these words with me as well as, as an encouragement to those who are giving their lives to Christ right now. If you're at home, pray these words out loud as well. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Wash me in your precious blood. Today I make the choice to give up my past and embrace the future that you have for me. I'm choosing to turn today and I'm serving you and I'm following you. In Jesus' name, amen. All God's people said, amen, amen. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Podcast. If you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information, go to citylifefw.org.